Hi everyone, welcome back to another great episode of Unconstrained Conversations. Today I want to return to New Zealand. New Zealand is one of the very few countries which has eliminated community transmission of COVID-19 and where life has returned to some semblance of normal. With no community cases for the last 75 days and borders continuing to be shut to anyone except returning citizens, residents and some critical industries, the country continues to keep the pandemic under control. But how is the hotel industry coping with a lack of international travelers? And how has business recovered in the last few months? I'm checking in with Ian Ganner, Head of Sales for Accor New Zealand, to get an update on the recovery trajectory. All right, everyone. We are back for another episode of Checking In uh, on the Unconstrained Conversation podcast. And uh, checking in uh, part uh, this week is with uh, Ian Ganner, who is still down happy in New Zealand, leading uh, sales and marketing for Accor for New Zealand and the uh, Oceania Oceania resorts and islands, um, um, all the beautiful places there that we don't get to see at the moment or don't get to visit at the moment. So welcome back, Ian, and I'm really excited to have you back. Morning, Klaus. Great to speak to you again. Really great to speak to you again. Yeah, and I'm really excited to see you in a suit and a tie and we'll put the picture on the website when we uh when we release this <laughs> fantastic yeah well we're we're allowed to go back to the office where it's uh business as usual um or revert pre-covid in new zealand so the traffic's back unfortunately um normally it was 15 minutes to get into the office during COVID times but now it's um an hour to get home well it's an hour last night so the traffic's back um things are kind of returning to normal of course it's not exactly normal yet but I think as normal as can be uh, in mm. New Zealand. Yeah, it's been it's been incredible to see you know rugby rugby stadiums filled up and uh, school children sitting next to each other and and going back to normal and people gathering and congregating and partying just like you said it's it's a complete normal world now for what about four to six weeks and that's just incredible to see. Yeah, I was actually at one of the first rugby matches in in Auckland and. Uh, it was a game, it was at capacity, 43,000 people there. Um, and I think it was a really special atmosphere. Um, the most special thing about it was actually pre the game when just everyone stood up and started clapping for about three minutes solid. It was, um, yeah. it was yeah. a special moment. It was like an international test match, really, uh, and a great game too. So, yeah, pubs are open, sporting events are coming back, um, meetings are starting to happen again. Um, it's It's quite unusual, bizarre compared to the rest of the world. Yeah, so there's a couple of things that, that, that New Zealand is doing and that obviously is different. They're still different and, and you guys are doing, right? So New Zealand's still not allowing in any external visitors. So only people from New Zealand can come back in with some exceptions, I guess. And, yeah, there, there, there are. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so there are. Um, they're still allowing repatriation of Kiwis uh, in the Bill of Rights, so that they've got the right to return home. But coming back to New Zealand, you have to isolate or in a mandatory isolation or quarantine facility for 14 days. But on top of that as well, they've opened up to special exemption visas or visas whereby uh, they're given for, I'd say, critical infrastructure projects um, and also to support some industries that really uh, need um, specialist um, help, such as the film industry. So uh, our hotels put up, uh, you know, film crew, um, delegations, um, we had NASA stay with us to launch a rocket off New Zealand. Mm. Um, so, so there are some 
exemptions. Oh, American Magic stayed with us uh, to get the America's Cup going for February next year. So there are some exemptions out there, but it's not a fully open border yet, no. Right, right. Yeah, I was really excited when I saw um, some of the people that are filming Avatar putting their stuff on Instagram that they're back to filming Avatar 2. That was uh, the, the highlight for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was, a, it, was a, yeah. <laughs> it was a film project that was interrupted. Apparently, there was 47 films that were interrupted or film projects interrupted. But now New Zealand's getting phone calls for new projects as well. Mm. Um, so it's interesting to watch that development and uh, see a, a natural pull coming to New Zealand for what they've achieved. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah. It's brilliant. And, yeah. and how is, um, so So you you were talking last time about the big role that Accor and other hotel companies um, played in, in the, the all-government kind of effort about um, offering accommodation to people that are coming back. Very strict quarantine measures in New Zealand. As you said, everyone is, is mandated to go into a, a hotel, I guess, for two weeks. Um, so far paid by the government um, at the moment. So uh, you, you're still playing a big role of that. Is, is that true? Yes, we are. Um, we've still got about 11 hotels in, in the effort, and we've always said as long as they need us, we'll, we'll be there. Um, we have signed an agreement with them to go for the rest of this year for those 11 hotels. So they're, they're out the system or they're out of supply. Um, uh, these hotels are in Auckland, Hamilton, which is about an hour and a half drive from uh, Auckland, Rotorua, three-hour drive from Auckland, Wellington, and Christchurch. And I think that's all the destinations that the government will choose. Um, they need medical support around there, of course, police, uh, aviation security to assist, because uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of government team within the hotels to run it side by side, the hotel management as well. So yeah, 11 hotels out of 33 in, in a core. Um, I think at the moment, um, they've stood up about 30 hotels in the country. Well, it's pretty incredible to see all that coming yes. together. I think I don't think any other country has a mandatory uh, quarantine like that um, mandated going into a hotel. You're not even allowed to go home, right? No, you're not. Uh, and there's some strict measures around it. You need to have a COVID test, mandatory COVID test at day three and day 12. Uh, you're not allowed to leave isolation unless it comes back negative uh, for those COVID right. tests. Um, there is still compa compassionate uh, if, you're, if you've got a family member um, you know, terminally ill or in palliative care. Um, there are some compassionate measures, but you're not allowed to be released until your COVID test comes back um, right. negative. Right. So, and, so and how, yeah. And how is the how is the tourism industry going? Kind of for the rest of the country. I know the government's made an made an effort to encourage people to travel domestically um, uh, and and encourage uh, tourism to happen within the country, obviously a small country that mostly relies on people from the outside. But how's that going? Uh, it's really interesting, to be honest with you. I think um, what we've noticed is after after we were allowed to uh, leave our homes after seven weeks in hard lockdown, um, again, the country went hard and went early. Um, so we seven seven. Yeah, seven weeks of being locked at home. Uh, we haven't had a COVID case in or community transmission for 88 days. So we've got about, you know, three months worth of data to hand about how tourism is re rebounding. It's really quite interesting. After the lockdown um, finished, there was a big bounce in, in demand. I think people just wanted to get out in the country and travel. It cool, cooled off a bit. Uh, what we're finding, though, is corporate demand is really, really... Um, uh, depressed, really. I think um, you know, over 70% uh, uh, off uh, same uh, pace of last year. 
Mm. Um, yeah, so corporate demand's not there. Leisure demand is actually really there. Um, there's ski season in Queenstown at the moment, uh, and we've just had the school holidays, and we underestimated the demand there. It, it really uh, went above and beyond. Wow. And what we're finding that is a lot of the public are actually now postponing their school holidays to go down there um, outside school holidays to ski. So the demand outside school holidays is uh, above what we were expecting. Regional regional centres uh, outside major cities are doing well um, and are getting a different type of clientele to what they normally would have. Uh, people that would normally go overseas would go down for a weekend to Hamilton and Rotorua. Um, so we're seeing a lot of um, regional demand dominantly on the weekends, so that's not fully sustainable. Um, and then the big surprise is meetings and events. Huge um, uh, uh, coming back of meetings and events in in New Zealand. Um, well, above expectation, we always thought that it would be, you know, really constrained and, and mm -hmm. depressed, but that's not the case. Um, there are people wanting to meet, uh, you know, associations, companies, um, trying to get their teams back together and um, motivated to see out the rest of this year. That's incredible. So is that is that in then all short term, uh, both on the leisure side as well as on the meeting side, there must have been all very short term bookings then and, and confirmations. So in terms of pace, that must have been an incredible to to see that pickup happening in a very short period of time. Yeah, yeah. So Queenstown, for example, was above a hundred percent of pace last year uh, for uh, for about three or four weeks there, mm -hmm. as people decided, yep, want to go go skiing. Um, so there are a couple of there are a couple of destinations that had pace equivalent to last year, um, but overall, I'd say for the country, you're looking at about fifty percent pace of last year. Um, the major cities are seeing are the hardest really. Auckland um, is. Uh, um, hard to get its pace back. Of course, the international visitation for Auckland historically was very large. And Wellington is a bit of a problem too. Uh, and Christchurch is mm. a big problem. But um, the regional centres and leisure destinations are seeming to do well. It's a, it's a, two part, it's a, two, a story of two tales, really. Yeah, Yeah, which, which seems to be true in all other parts of the world as well. When I look at um, Europe, um, I had a conversation with Jörg, um, CEO at Dorint last week, he was talking about the same thing. All his resorts on the North Sea and 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 in the mountains are full, and the big city hotels are empty or at thirty five percent. I had some conversations with campground um, and national park hotel companies, um, Delaware North and KOA, and they're saying the same thing. Right, we're we're very busy, above pace from last year in our leisure and campsite uh, destinations, but then obviously in big cities, it's uh, it's very, very difficult. So it's kind of around the world, the same picture is, is emerging. And yeah. uh, obviously for you, this is low season at the moment, I guess, to some extent. So it's uh, because it's winter in some of the leisure destinations, it's um, you're not expecting that much demand or uh, versus the coming, like the, the future months in December, November, December, January, February, right? Yeah, I mean, it just creates some opportunities or challenges to work through. Uh, you've got to think about pricing. Uh, that's very important. Uh, mm -hmm. And how our pricing is moving forwards. I, I say to the team, uh, pricing in these situations uh, falls down the elevator shaft and we have to go up the stairs uh, to, to get to recover. Um, so pricing is very a big thing that we're talking about. RFP season, how we handle RFPs is big. Also, lots of discussion around marketing campaigns, how much to invest, um, how can you keep it 
loose so you can move with the demand or something happens such as a community outbreak. Um, yeah, all, all these questions come up and you just have to kind of, it's like an emergent strategy, really. You can't have a mm. big plan that you're going to execute over the course of a year. You have to take it day by day, be emergent, but be deliberate in, in your steps moving forward. Um, and that's how. So is your, is your strategy kind of going, to, how do we get back to last year or before? Or is your strategy, well, this is a complete new uh, game plan. Let's just yep. see how we can get to the most optimal outcome without looking at uh, history that much. I think it's the latter rather than the former, even though people will always look at, you know, performance in 2019 or to 2019. I think you have to be vigilant in relation to the demand that you're seeing. Um, how well you're doing against the competition is very important as well. Um, and just, yeah, keep focused or micro-focused really on, on the immediate future. I think we've resigned ourselves to, to knowing that 2021 um, will be similar to 2020. I don't think the borders will open uh, in an international sense until vaccination. So really crossing my fingers for Oxford University and AstraZeneca. I hope they come through with the goods. Um, I'm actually reading more about biopharma every day than I've ever done before. So it's uh, really fascinating for me. But um, yeah, we were hoping um, the Trans-Tasman or an air bridge between Australia and New Zealand would have opened up by Q3 this year or Q4. I think we've just resigned ourselves that due to the outbreak in Victoria, Australia at the moment. Uh, I'm not going to see that or until Q2, Q3 next year. Right. Uh, which well, is bad. So I miss my mum, Klaus. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But we all miss our, all, all of us who have a family across continents and across oceans, um, incredibly difficult right now. Um, yeah. For me, yeah. for a lot of other people as well, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so you're, you're, you mentioned a little bit about uh, not seeing borders open until next year. Um, what's your strategy for the end of the year? Is it, is it uh, um, or is there any change in strategy going forward from, from what you've done over the last few weeks? Yeah, I think, uh, well, obviously support Tourism New Zealand in, in uh, um, uh, pushing domestic demand. Um, so so we're really focused on that at the moment. We're also really focused on connecting with historical business partners, be it, be it um, you know, BTAs or, um, or companies or corporate accounts, just understanding where they're at at the moment and managing uh, the demand coming back for them as well, just being really... Um, empathetic, I'd say, and really understanding, um, just being a good business partner. In fact, we've called most of our higher tier, um, a call Live Limitless members in New Zealand, just checking with them, um, see how they're doing. Um, I think it's really important that personal connection um, and show and demonstrate to the team that maintaining that relationship is really important. On that, talk about relationships. There's a lot of relationships broken on in the B2B supply chain due to, yeah, you know, due to, um, uh, restructures or redundancies. So there's a lot of reforming of relationships. And that's particularly important um, moving forward. Very good point. Very good point. Yeah. And it's especially hard to do when you don't when you don't see each other face to face, right? When you have to build new relationships. Yeah, yeah. The old adage: pick up the phone uh, and start connecting with people. It's, um, might not give you revenue in the short term, but it will pay dividends in the long term. That's my philosophy on that one. Right, right. You also look after the, the, the islands like Fiji and French Polynesia and uh, anything that's in between, I guess. Um, do, you, do you have any thoughts or comments about any of these? I mean, they, 
they must be in a obviously also very very difficult situation, right? Um, and then they 100% of their business is, is based on international travel, in many cases. Yeah, well, I, I know that you're due to go to French Polynesia in April. I think you uh, since the 15th of July you're allowed to go there, Klaus, from the US and from uh, from Europe as well. Right. Uh, you have to do it. Yeah, they, they've opened up an air bridge. Um, I believe it's two flights from LA and one from oh. uh, one from Paris via Vancouver a week. I think they're upping it to about five in a, in in a couple of weeks' time, uh, or five five return flights from LA. You have to have a COVID test within three days of travel, and you have to have a COVID test four days after arriving into the country. This is a country that um, had in total about sixty cases. I think over the course of the, the COVID pandemic or wave one, they've got no community transmission. But I think that the the tourism economy is so important to them that they've they've done this step, which is quite different to New Zealand. So it's really um, different to see, I'd say, or manage from from Auckland. But by doing that, French Polynesia, um, I don't think I'll be they'll I'll be seeing an air bridge open up between Australia or New Zealand to French Polynesia for some time. Uh, I'd say uh, until the back end of 2021, but that's okay because most of their business comes from America and France anyway, and Italy. Honeymoon is from Italy, um, and really they only got what five, ten percent of demand of their demand from Australia and New Zealand. So, right, right. So for anyone, anyone listening, time to go to French Polynesia, right? I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think there's there's also the case that you have to wear a mask when you're. Um, when you're when you're there, so you'll have interesting tan lines. But I think it's uh, a great place to um, <laughs> uh, it's a fantastic location. Uh, and if you want to spend some time in French Polynesia, I do encourage you to go. Uh, I'm Fiji, sure you can take the mask off when you snorkel, right, and see the beautiful uh, underwater uh, flora and fauna there. Right? <laughs> absolutely. And um, and then Fiji is quite different too. It's um, uh, no community transmission, no cases for some time. Uh, they've just kind of um, stamp down demand for repatriation flights. We had a couple of hotels in Fiji that were doing repatriation with Fiji's Ministry of Health. Uh, that's just stopped recently. Um, and so they're effectively, they've got their borders closed. I think we're all hoping for Fiji to be included in the trans-Tasman bubble, but due to what's happened in Australia and Victoria, that community outbreak there, um, I think there's an active rethink about what's going to happen. I would not be surprised if, um, a Pacific bubble opens up between New Zealand, Fiji, Cook Islands, Samoa, um, uh, and uh, allows tourism or just some due care um, to the bigger, wider Oceania. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens within a couple of months, to be honest. Mm. Mm. Okay. All yeah. right. So, uh, have you been have you been traveling or have you been going anywhere on the on the road uh, uh, spending some time away and and or if you if you haven't uh, where would you go or where will you go when you travel next again uh, yeah well I traveled to Wellington a couple of weeks ago um, I suppose part of um, I have made some operational changes uh, I think it's really important most of the sales and marketing team is actually within Auckland regional office and during this part of the recovery um, it's great to have face-to-face -face interactions with hotel teams Mm. And so I've, I've designated some uh, members of my sales teams, the directors, to be um, across the region. So you know, my director of meetings and events is across Christchurch region, for example. She just recently travelled down there last week to really connect with the teams and to, want to listen to them. Um, had other members of the team go to Rotorua and Hamilton. 
they're in charge of each respective region to really get closer to the business, uh, understand the GMs and walk the journey with them through this recovery. Um, uh, I can't do it all myself. Um, so, so it's a great learning opportunity for, for the team. Um, I do intend to travel more uh, over the coming uh, weeks, Christchurch, get down to Queenstown as well, um, spend some time on the ground with, with the general managers and, and the teams. Um, that face-to-face, after, after lockdown, the face-to-face interaction is still important, it's still required. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So do you see, I know two questions, I have like follow-up questions here. Is, um, have you made any significant changes or do you see a significant change to your sales and marketing approach? Or, you know, you, you mentioned you made some changes to your team, but just in the general sales and marketing philosophy or how you've structured that in the past and how you're structuring it in the, in the future? Do you feel that yeah. that's going to change? Yeah, I have made changes. Uh, I've, uh, all, all my directors now don't have a specialist designation to the job titles. They're all directors of sales and partnerships. Um, I think it's a great opportunity for them to um, swim outside their lane of specialization. As we see different market segments coming back at different times, we need people to move from one market segment to another um, and work closer together. I, I saw that as a great opportunity to you know, put some development and growth into their uh, into their experience and um, manage you know multiple market segments if and as the need arises. So that was a big change that we made, um, and I think they're enjoying it. Uh, it's a bit uncomfortable for them, but I think they are enjoying it. Um, it's uh, it's a great opportunity, I think, um, uh, for for them to grow and develop. Mm. So it's the same true. A lot of people talking about the uh, you know revenue management, distribution, marketing, sales coming closer together as a result of this because there's just not that many people around and, and more people, less people will have to do more. And there's some form of convergence that's going to materialize around more of a commercial function than a than a revenue management and sales function. Do you see do you see that as well, or you don't see that? You obviously oh, have financial background and you have commercial background and sales background, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I see it. Um, uh, I, I definitely see it, and I, I encourage it um, more more so than ever. I think, um, yeah, revenue management needs to get closer and understand the, the client a bit more. Uh, they're not gatekeepers anymore. They're part of the sales solution, aren't they, um, to, to make it through. I think um, even just by the designation I've made, the directors of sales, directors of sales and partnerships, I think, just by, by that designation alone, to look to look in true partnership with clients and within the business as well. That's how you do it. Um, and so there's going to be a bit more um, fluid job roles and mm. what you do. Mm. Yeah. So maybe the revenue managers will become revenue partners in the future. Yeah, I mean, a bit more, bit more in charge of merchandising, um, how we look and feel across channels. Um, that's that's the challenge I've put to them really is you know get 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 deep in the detail around um, how we present our brands how we um, present our room types our products uh, get really into that type of detail learn about learn about the marketing function uh, that will help you be a bit more rounded as revenue managers. Okay, well that's brilliant. Well, I don't want to take any more of your time because um, obviously you're 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 super busy getting. Uh, Getting the country and getting the the, the business back uh, restarted um, and into recovery. Um, anything else you wanted to share with us? Anything else that's on your mind, or or you 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 feel is important for others to hear? No, I just I just want to say it's tough out there for the industry and my thoughts with everyone. I think it's um extraordinary times that we're going through. Uh, um, 
Uh, COVID is not a karma weighing machine. Uh, some people are, are affected more than others, um, but it's not due to due to what people have done. It's just due to the situation, and it's, it's you know it's, it's upsetting um, to see. And yeah, just my thoughts with everyone, really. Mm, thank you. Yeah, I I, I concur. Definitely, the, the hospitality industry, unfortunately, has been hit probably one of the hardest of, of all the industry or, or travel, right? Um, so hopefully we'll get through that and, and next year or in 18 months, everything will look uh, very differently as we're all learning more and more about pharma and vaccines and development processes <laughs> and phases and all that. Thank you yeah, very much, yeah. Ian. Sorry. So thank, thank you very much. I really appreciate your time. It's always good to check in with you. So um, I hope uh, maybe in a couple months we'll do that again and we'll have some more good news. Appreciate That'd it. Be brilliant. Thanks, Klaus. Really appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Yeah. Bye. Thank you very much for listening. And I hope you found this episode valuable for your own business circumstances. Check out the show notes linked to the episode. Help more people in the industry find this podcast by sharing and rating. And don't forget to subscribe to the series wherever you listen to it.